Hey goddess, so I have been asked to speak at my local library about the writing process for Hashtag Selfish Sunday. What this means is I haven't been able to sit down, write, and record the usual podcast episodes because I'm practicing a 45 minute long speech. So, I won't be producing podcast episodes for the next couple of weeks so that I can practice this speech and really make an impact on my community. However, today I wanted to practice that speech for you so that way you feel included. I know there's people who pay for this podcast to come out weekly and I just wanted to share this experience with you. So for today's episode, I'm going to talk all about hashtag selfish Sunday, my writing process, and a little bit about PTSD. Without further ado, goddess, let's get into it. Greetings and salutations, sugar plums. Thank you for being here today. I'm excited to be sharing this with you. I am Arian Naomi Omid, cosmic fairy, author, Montana native, sharer and practitioner of cosmic and goddess mindset, and survivor. So I am a fairy from outer space on a mission to spread love and light to those who need it. I created Goddess or Cosmic Mindset to help people reconnect with their highest self for a better, more positive, and more fulfilling life. While I am not currently a life coach in the traditional sense, I make sure to sprinkle my beliefs and teaching into my books, YouTube channel, podcast episodes, and overall social media presence. But who am I? I am a light-skinned woman of color who grew up in the Gallatin Valley. I was born in Bozeman to two crazy kids who had moved to town in the early 90s to go to MSU. In 2007, when I was 13 years old, I met a boy, we fell in love, and suddenly I was trapped. We dated for five years, from eighth grade until after graduation. During my most formative years, I was trapped in a mentally and physically abusive relationship. I was too scared to do anything about it and waited for the right chance to escape. I escaped after we graduated and I'd gotten my first customer service job, but I did it. I escaped. In 2012, I found love in a new partner who, by the grace of the cosmos, helped me discover the love I have for myself, which was not an easy process, I must add. And the process of learning how to find the love I have for myself made me want to help the millions of people on this planet who still need that for themselves. See, I've always been a writer. It's even in my zodiac reading for the day I was born. I've been a writer since I was about two or three years old. And when I was in my abusive relationship, I wrote horror stories. It was a really good way to get out my pent-up anger and sadness. Now, I always wrap things up with my signature touch of love and light because that is how my own journey has unfolded. It may have started out pretty dark, but now, here I am, sharing the light of the universe with you. Today, I am here to talk about my experience writing Hashtag Selfish Sunday, the first book in a series about a young woman going through her own trauma recovery with a sci-fi fantasy twist. 
So, for those who don't know about Hashtag Selfish Sunday, I'm going to read the back of the book blurb. Sometimes a throwback isn't all it's cracked up to be. Keone is about to turn 24, or 18 for the sixth time as she likes to say. Even though she thrives on working hard to build a future, she's never really embraced the responsibility that comes with being an independent woman. Now, her reluctance to move past the wounds of an abusive adolescence is proving detrimental, both to her mental health and to the future of her relationship with Rocky. Rocky knows Keone's greatest desire is to be loved and understood, and his greatest desire is for her to realize she has both already with him. When a birthday wish goes awry, Keone must relive her high school graduation. Confronted with memories she wishes never happened, she tries to convince herself that she knows what she's doing and has it all handled. But if she makes different decisions the second time around, it may ruin her future with Rocky. Will she cave to the temptations of love lost? Or can she accept the pain of growing up and embrace the maturity that comes with it to find her way to the brighter future she so desires? I wrote hashtag selfish Sunday because I needed a safe way to talk about my experience this all-too-common experience I had gone through, that we have gone through. Let's look at some statistics, shall we? Every nine seconds in the United States, a woman is assaulted or beaten. Around the world, at least one in three women has been beaten, coerced into sex, or otherwise abused during her lifetime. Most often, the abuser is a member of her own family. Domestic violence is the leading cause of injury to women more than car accidents, muggings, and rape combined. Studies suggest that up to 10 million children witness some form of domestic violence annually. Nearly one in five teenage girls who have been in a relationship said a boyfriend threatened violence or self-harm if presented with a breakup. Every day in the United States, more than three women are murdered by their husbands or boyfriends. 92% of women surveyed listed reducing domestic violence and sexual assault as their top concern. Domestic violence victims lose nearly 8 million days of paid work per year in the United States alone, the equivalent of 32,000 full-time jobs. This one was very shocking for me. I definitely missed shifts because of my ex, and I didn't know that was normal. Based on reports from 10 countries, between 55 and 95% of women who have been physically abused by their partners had never contacted non-governmental organizations, shelters, or the police for help. The cost of intimate partner violence in the United States alone exceeds $5.8 billion per year. $4.1 billion 
dollars for direct medical and healthcare services, while productivity losses account for ne- nearly 1.8 billion dollars. Men who, as children, witnessed their parents' domestic violence were twice as likely to abuse their own wives or girlfriends than sons of non-violent parents. These statistics can be found at domesticviolencestatistics.org. Once again, that's domesticviolencestatistics.org, and I will put a link down in the description. But I didn't always know. In fact, I didn't actually look up the statistics before because I was the statistic and I never liked looking that reality in the eye. I learned the gravity of the collective situation working behind the cash register at a gas station in my hometown. Both women that I worked with and women that I served at my post had some version of this story in their history either past or present, and looking back at it, most of the women I worked with were in some kind of abusive or toxic relationship. I used to feel so alone and isolated, but it's far rarer to have never experienced abuse than to have experienced it, because even if you've never been through it, you probably know someone who has, a sister, Friend, cousin, mother, auntie. Keone Magnolia is a little bit of all of us. All of us women who have been in physically, emotionally, and spiritually dangerous relationships. I began working on this book fall of 2019 after I had done some intensive spiritual surgery on my self-worth. I had realized that despite wanting things like financial stability, a healthy relationship, and a happy life, somewhere deep in my subconscious, I didn't believe that I was truly worthy of those things. And once again, I knew I couldn't possibly be the only one. So, I am a survivor just like a lot of those around me, and I live with self-diagnosed PTSD. One of those things where I did a ton of research and found a huge amount of relief when I learned that my symptoms are incredibly normal for someone with PTSD. I will never forget the first time I realized that I wasn't okay. I saw my ex-boyfriend's truck in the parking lot of the gas station I worked at and hid in the deli walk-in freezer for 10 to 15 minutes. This was post-breakup. I remember being paralyzed with fear, and I didn't even know if he was in the building. I was 18 and had lived my life in an extreme state of fear for five years. I knew I couldn't live my life like that anymore, completely crippled by my mental affliction. At the time, I reached out to a longtime mentor of mine for help with my self-healing journey. And I think I was able to recognize this and take this important first step on my healing journey because mental illness runs through all sides of my family and I've always wanted to live a healthy life. I did not realize that it would take me nearly a decade to find true mental stability and it has taken a lot of hard work to do so. Poor mental health is not something to mock. 
It is a real, legitimate, and serious issue that affects millions of people across the planet. I first realized I was struggling with depression when I was about 10 to 11 years old. Thankfully, my mom shrugged it off and told me I would grow out of it, which upset me at the time but kept me from being unnecessarily medicated. And ironically, my abusive relationship was the thing that kept me alive at a time when I had lost the will to. But obviously, the prolonged experience in and of itself was problematic for me and my mental health. And that's okay. That is normal. If you've been through something wildly extraordinary, you should expect to become a little extraordinary as a result. If this was a comic book, I'd be Peter Parker, and my trauma was a radioactive spider, so now I have superpowers. That's what makes all of us beautiful. The ups and downs that brought us to this particular moment in time is what makes us the magnificent snowflakes we are. And at the end of the day, eventually we learn that we all have superpowers. And if you do have PTSD, you're not alone. Life is not without trauma. About 60% of men and 50% of women experience trauma in their lives. Women are more likely to experience sexual assault and child sexual abuse, while men are more likely to experience accidents, physical assaults, combat, disaster, or to witness death or injury. PTSD occurs when you didn't fully recover from a traumatic event. PTSD can happen to anyone, it is not a weakness, and a number of factors can increase the chances of developing PTSD, many of which are not under the affected person's control. About 6% of the population in the United States will have PTSD at some point in their lives. About 12 million adults in the United States have PTSD during a given year. And keep in mind, this is a very small percentage of those who experience a traumatic event in that year. And it is still 12 million people affected by the disorder. About 8% of women develop PTSD in their lifetime compared to 4% of men. So in case you don't know, and because people talk about trauma very freely these days, A trauma is a shocking and dangerous event that you see or that happens to you in which you think the lives of yourself or others is in danger. Women are more than twice as likely to develop PTSD than men. So even though the percent of people with PTSD is significantly less than that of those involved in abuse and domestic violence, the point here is that you are not alone. And those statistics can be found at ptsd.va.gov. I will leave another link in the description. Now, I'm going to read an excerpt from Hashtag Selfish Sunday, which conveys the depth of this type of spiritual relief via cleansing and healing. It is my favorite part of this novella, and it is an honor to share it with you. To surmise the plot up to this point, Keone has gotten into a fight with her current partner, Rocky, which thrusts her through a time portal and back to her past to relive the events surrounding her 18th birthday. 
Because of a few wrong moves, Keone has ended up in the wrong timeline and finds herself in a new toxic relationship, which has Keone terribly unhappy with no idea what to do. July 4th, 2012. Reflection. Everything's all wrong. Where am I supposed to be? Keone was curled up against Trent. His body was uncomfortably hot against hers and felt like it was all the wrong proportions. She was five foot three inches with two thirds of that being all leg. He was a stocky five eight and it just felt unbalanced. She couldn't place her finger on the reason why she was so painfully aware of how wrong this all felt. She just knew that it did. Even though a few short months ago she had forcefully daydreamed about this moment, she had this nagging feeling in the back of her mind that she was supposed to be somewhere else. She gently turned away from Trent, sliding out of their ignorant embrace and delicately distancing herself from his form. Was it because she hadn't taken her NSADs today? Was she just finally coming down from a several month long bender? Was it really that something was wrong with her and not their relationship? Keone was a mess. She was staring blankly at the wall as she had done so many times while sharing a bed with Baxter, pondering the whys of it all as she had done countless times before. She had thought that getting out would bring her peace, but she felt hollow inside. What was the point in leaving Baxter if she felt like this? Keone bolted upright and looked around the sad room. It was minimalist, and that was okay, but the vibe was still sad. And despite having gotten into constant arguments about it, Keone was struggling to keep it clean. Turns out that Trent was just as much of a pig as Susan. A mere reflection of the inner conflict and turmoil that each of them was experiencing. But still, the thought she'd just had chilled her to her core. Why had she left Baxter? Suddenly, she really had to think about it. The moment made her head spin. You were supposed to leave Baxter when you met Rocky, the fairy voice inside of her whispered. At that thought, she nimbly crept out of the bed and bolted to the bathroom. The shower had always been her safe place. She could always distance herself from whatever nonsense and noise was happening in her life while standing under the hot artificial rain. Leaving the lights off and standing in the soothing glow of the nightlight she'd brought with her from her parents' house when she'd finally gone back to retrieve some of her personal belongings, Keone started the shower and disrobed. Letting the hot water run down her skin, she closed her eyes, but her head was still spinning. She felt transported to the shower at Burton's house like she had never left. Panic and anxiety began to well up in her soul and unstopped her emotions. Without even really being consciously aware of the action, she sank to the floor of the tub, sitting with her knees pulled up to her chest and began to silently sob. She had become a master at crying with passion noiselessly so as not to alert anyone of her anguish. 
What the fuck have I done? She wailed in a whisper. How the fuck did I get here? A light breeze blew through the bathroom, ruffling the shower curtain and causing the nightlight to flicker as though it was a flame. Accompanied by a wind chime-like tinkling sound, followed by the swoosh of thousands of butterfly wings. Keone was too involved in releasing her sadness to really take notice. The light in the night light flickered again, cut out, and came back a very brilliant blue. Suddenly, the room was enveloped in cool, soothing, reassuring blue light. But it didn't phase Keone. She merely turned off the water and began to get out of the shower. When she looked up into the room in search for her towel, she paused mid-step, finally observing the mystical phenomenon that was taking place around her. Yet, she wasn't afraid. It was incredibly apparent that the energy that was surrounding her was there for her greater good. She could feel it. She felt loved and whole, not heartbroken. She felt the hole that she'd had in her heart for the past five years began to fill. She knew she was about to learn where she had missed a step and what was missing from her heart space. The answer to why had finally come. Wrapping the plush purple towel around her damp form, she crossed out of the shower into the bathroom proper and in front of the mirror, where she was greeted by a woman who looked like an elven version of herself, eyes a twinkle, face unmasked by makeup, features slightly more pointed, and hair kept in seemly thin dreadlocks with beads and crystals adorning them. Keone had forgotten how much light she possessed inside of her. Looking into the mirror, she could suddenly tell that a dark, heavy energy had all but snubbed out her present aura. Keone reached out and dreamily touched the glass. That's when the woman finally said something. Keo, you're not supposed to be here, she cooed soothingly from the mirror. The girl recognized the fairy's voice as the one that had been chiming warnings to her since she'd gotten here. Even in the blue light, Keone could tell that her reflection's eyes were more golden than brown, still with the mossy green flecks in them, though. Keone spoke, although her lips didn't move as she whispered, I have no idea how to fix what I've done. The reflection in the mirror reached out and delicately pet Keone's cheek as she purred, I'm not sure if we can undo this. But maybe if I show you what was supposed to happen, we can trigger the time rip again and get you home. Keone nodded as tears began to stream freely down her face. The weight of this statement implied that this could remain her reality. I'm so confused, she murmured. I don't understand how I got here. The reflection in the mirror nodded before replying, stand back. Keone obliged, taking a couple steps back as the reflection rubbed her hands together, consistently gaining speed. Suddenly, she clapped twice, very powerfully, and with a whoosh, the sink and counter vanished into a swarm of sparkling white butterflies, and Keone could see her reflection's full form. The reflection reached out and reassuringly stated, Now take my hand. Keone's life already didn't make any sense to her anymore, so she figured she didn't have anything left to lose. 
She grabbed onto this woman's hand and allowed herself to be pulled through the portal. Once she was on the other side, there was another roar of butterfly wings. Keone cast a glance over her shoulder to see that the portal was gone and all that was left was the square mirror allowing a glimpse into the room that she had just left, acting sort of like a window. Keone took a moment to appreciate where she was. She had always theorized that there was a world behind all the mirrors in the world. The inky darkness shimmered like dark glass and sparkled like diamonds. The only light source being her reflection's blue magic. The two walked, or floated rather, through the blackness for a moment until they reached another pane of glass, signifying another mirror. So, the reflection asked, do you want to know what was supposed to happen? Kiani nodded, her mane of thick curls bouncing every which way. The reflection waved her hand majestically at the pane of glass, and Keone stepped forward. It was overlooking her room at her parents' house. Trent wasn't supposed to kiss you at graduation, and you were supposed to erase the picture of you with Trent, to distance your energies, she said, a little forlornly as they watched Keone erase the picture well after Baxter had left her house. So he was always none the wiser. If you would have waited it out, you would have come to the crucial realization, she continued, the knowledge that you don't need a partner. Keone's life flashed by at an accelerated rate. She maintained a semi-peaceful life through her hellscape. She applied for every job she possibly could from the safety of her laptop, and in the end, it was Baxter's eldest brother who had put in a good word at the pump and gulp that would hire her and be the portal that connected her with Rocky. The name piqued Keone's soul like a dog whistle to an old trick hound. She turned to the shimmering being floating next to her and queried, Who's Rocky? Ah yes, the true question of your heart, the fairy-like creature cooed. Rocky is your forever, the prize awarded to you when you accept that all dudes are duds and that you'd rather be alone than deal with dimwits. They floated to another pane of glass, a cooler door, inside a convenience store. There stood Keone, hopelessly pleading for one of her bows to come see her, to reassure her that everything was okay. It didn't take long, she continued. They all had their excuses for bailing. None of them could make the commitment of giving their time to you. The reflection paused for a moment before adding, you hypnotized them with your beauty, but none of them could handle the weight of what that meant. Keone let out a storm of emotions, which was swelling through her. She could feel the agony, the doubt, the regret, and the determination that comes with making a mindset shift. Today was supposed to be your first day, the spirit guide said. You were supposed to have your interview yesterday and started immediately because your father gave you good advice. Yet here you are, working as a sex slave. Ouch. The statement only hurt Keone so much because it was true. She wasn't paying rent. Trent would come home and get some on his lunch breaks, and then again when he came home from work before they had dinner. And all just so she could stay stuck in the loop of dependence. She had barely made a dent in her graduation money because she had that pussy pay on lock, undoubtedly exchanging ass for a room instead of cash. It was just so easy to ignore in the haze of NSADs. 
Keone began to bawl. What have I done? She howled as the spirit guide began to gently rub her back. I'm so pathetic. Shush now, the woman purred. Life is about making mistakes and growing from them. You're always going to be growing. Oh. Keone felt like she had been shot through the eye with an arrow. She was always going to be growing. Even when she had healed all of her emotional wounds, there would still be more to experience, more to learn, and more to grow from. There was always going to be work for her to do on herself. Always. Her guide could sense what a profound impact those words had on Keone, so she leaned down and cooed. About a month after starting at the Pump and Gulp, Rocky transfers from the store you can walk to now out to the store you work at at the other side of town. Through the pane of glass, Keone can see herself behind a cash register, pigtails high and makeup thick and dark. Their manager walks by, giving Rocky a tour he doesn't necessarily need. Even through the reflection, she can tell that her heart flutters with butterflies when he walks by. The spirit guide besides her speeds up the scene to show many flirtatious exchanges and then finally the moment Keone tells Rocky he looks like her favorite cartoon character who solves mysteries with his pet chinchilla. Keone pales and giggles as she watches the incredibly endearing moment. She asks for his phone number. They become best friends. Baxter stays distracted by his second girlfriend, and it seems as if the stars are aligning so that Keone can realign herself to the true love of the universe. Baxter's secondary girlfriend ODs in Keone's bed, and they take her to the hospital. Keone retreats to Rocky's house to recover from the incident, while Baxter stays at the hospital, none the wiser. From there, Keone watched with overwhelmed, happy tears in her eyes as she witnessed her life with Rocky fly by. It was sweet and tender at first. They never fought. But then Keone held on to this idea that there was something wrong with her. The look on her face turned from delight to despair as she watched herself pick fights and stir up drama because she didn't know how to be normal. But she did. She did know how to be normal. She knew how to be loving, respectful, thoughtful, and kind. She did. Why was she telling herself that she didn't? Why was her behavior stagnating? Then the phrase 18 for the nth time began ringing through her ears. It wasn't until she was 21, 18 for the third time. She wanted to be a lost boy. She didn't want to grow up. And somehow Rocky held on through all of it, all of her tantrums and borderline abuse, all in the name of self-given curses that she was broken and unworthy. She continued to propagate this belief that she was undeserving of this golden universe sent love that was as pure as the driven snow and as warm as a roaring fire. It was an absolute miracle that Rocky hadn't abandoned ship after day one. He loved her. It was real, and the only thing he didn't understand was why she continued to feel unworthy. It's because I was abused for five years, Keone barked instinctively. Her guide shook her head, clicked her tongue, and murmured, No child, that's just an excuse. Keone looked at herself in shock. What? The reason why you continue to feel unworthy is because you feed into it. The reflection continued. You feed into it, you cultivated it, you breathe it, you live it. Keone's knees were weak. 
Her stomach churned. She was still in shock from what she'd just heard. She wanted the info to seep into her bones, into her cells, and into her soul, but she felt more like a brick wall than a sponge and had to work really hard to hold on to the words. Fuck, she breathed. The spirit guide nodded and replied, ain't life a bitch? Then she looked back at the mirror and focused her energies to the words, when you break your leg and it heals, you wouldn't keep walking without crutches. I mean, you wouldn't keep walking with crutches. Could be heard ringing throughout the corridor of timeless space in Rocky's voice. When you break your leg and it heals, you wouldn't keep walking with crutches. Keone's face shattered as she gave way to another wave of emotion. The familiar sound of Rocky's voice had finally shocked the news into the center of Keone's brain. Her reflection wrapped her in a loving, motherly, sisterly type of hug and allowed the girl to weep openly for as long as she needed, so she could let all the pain, hurt, and struggle she had experienced leave her being. There is no time in the void of space and time. That is why it is called the void. Keone cried, bawled, sobbed, and wailed for an eternity within an eternity. Every fight she'd ever seen or heard between her parents, every fight she'd ever been in or started with her parents, every single waking moment of her five years in that stupid, awful, confusing, violent relationship, and every fight she had ever instigated with Rocky on that parallel timeline, and the fact that she had somehow gotten out of that timeline and was now sharing a space with Trent, of all people, poured out of her in shimmering tears. At first, she cried black forever. They looked like a wintertime night sky on a full moon. Then they brightened to a deep navy blue, like a summer eve's backdrop, before they strove to indigo like a spring dusk, and finally ended on a bright, vibrant violet which shimmered and changed into a sky blue pink gradient once she had released every single negative feeling within her cells and could once and for all stop crying. She held her breath for as long as felt necessary before taking a deep cleansing breath in and exhaling all the dust left in her aura. She was clean. She was pure. She was whole. Let me show you something. Her reflection breathed telepathically so as not to spoil the moment of heightened reality. Keone pulled away with a sense of rebirth and nodded. She was jelly. The reflection summoned two mirrors and set them side by side. Both were mysterious and empty. Watch very closely, she cooed. Keone gave silent confirmation and the reflection waved her hand in a counterclockwise motion with her pointer finger extended. Something rewound and she played the triggering events that had gotten her to this point. The graduation, hiding in the back of Trent's car, the fighting, the confrontation with Susan, twice. From day one, it was weird. They fed into each other's addictions and continued their slow burn, constantly fighting. 
Keone's spirit guide stopped the reflection and then circled her hand counterclockwise in front of the other mirror with her index finger extended, of course. Everything was the same. The graduation, hiding in the back of Trent's car, the fighting, but then Keone didn't hesitate on erasing this picture. She looked at it and dismissed it immediately, which still led to more fighting, but then Keone got her job at the Pump and Gulp and was at work the day of Sean and Deidre's barbecue and got to meet Rocky. Keone and Rocky laughed. They longed for each other. They brightened each other's days and he made her feel safe because she was safe. So safe and warm that their memories were shrouded in golden sunlight even on cloudy days. Comparatively, her reality was Trent was completely cold. Keone drifted towards the glass, watching all the warm moments play out in real time, like a movie, as butterflies gently flitted out from behind the mirror and into the void, trailing light behind them. Her spirit guide kissed the back of her head at the center of her skull, where Keone had received the most trauma, and whispered, it's not too late. So, this book and the Keone Magnolia books to come are about healing from trauma and moving forward. Because the most important part of our experiences is not what happened to us, but what we do with new information. Healing is tricky. It can be a rough, grueling process, but it is incredibly rewarding, taking a bit of gravity off the soul. This concept is so important to me that I created Goddess Mindset and became a certified mindset coach and life coach so that I can teach any and everyone who reads one of my books, finds me on YouTube, social media, or listens to my podcast that it does get better. You can heal and thrive and that life is worth living what i've found works for me is a little bit of everything you could say you have to throw the kitchen sink at it i take supplements to help with my brain function since i've had multiple blows to the head as a teenager i meditate daily I eat healthy, balanced meals as often as possible. I take my dog for as many walks in a week as possible. And I make time for the things I love to do on a daily basis. All of this was of utmost importance while I was writing this book because it's a very sensitive topic and some parts of it made me very tense while writing it. I have always been a writer. Even before I could write letters, I would scribble rows and rows of loop-de-loops that were imitation of my mother's signature and tell my parents about the stories I was writing. But I never realized that I was going to write a character with PTSD, let alone a character with an experience similar to my own. I actually love writing characters with PTSD. I got hooked the first time I did it. It helps to shed light on a very serious issue in an accessible way, the same way Ellen Hopkins did with her poetry novels Crank and Glass, as well as the rest of her poetry novels. But this specific thought had never occurred to me before. Then, one day, we were at our friend's house watching some zombie series. I think it was The Walking Dead, but I cannot recall. 
Regardless, it was an episode where the characters were very clearly traumatized by dealing with the zombies and were having crippling flashbacks. It was the epiphany of the millennia for me and quickly became the topic of a book I wrote in a different series called Flashbacks and Afterglow. However, Flashbacks and Afterglow wasn't about anything I personally experienced and was just a fun thing to write rather than being a cathartic practice. Hashtag Selfish Sunday was different. Writing about a character with PTSD as an author with the same affliction is quite the whirlwind. I found myself triggering myself constantly and thus learned very quickly to only write in the mornings. Even though I really wanted to write any time I had a spare moment, it was best for me to work on the first draft in the early early morning so that if I triggered myself into a bad mood, I would have time to untrigger myself before my partner woke up. I'd wake up at 5, sometimes earlier, sometimes later, and only write until about 6. Then I would go about my morning, doing dishes, making food, walking the dog, and meditating to reset before making breakfast and eating it with pumpkin. My partner. It was hard. It taught me a lot, both about who I am as a person and what I can and cannot write about for my own emotional and spiritual protection. Initially, the first draft had been a lot of me, but as I continued writing, I realized that it wasn't sustainable for me to bleed into the pages. So slowly things began to change, becoming more fictional so that I was more capable of writing the story because it is needed, it needs to be told, and it is about all of us. Writing hashtags all for Sunday completely changed me as an author and what my writing process is. I used to really like writing what I call real-time narratives, where the narrative is immersed in the gruesome events as they unfold. Now I am particularly fond of retrospective narratives with a reflective spin. Because of that, I needed to completely rethink my approach towards the remaining books in the series. I had planned on writing a memoir-type narrative, digging deep into Keone's past and unforgivably spilling the guts of that story, but I found the idea was as appealing as touching a cattle prod to my own eye. It's a very sensitive and touchy subject, and the fact that I can talk about it at all, let alone unabashedly, is somewhat of a miracle. I've had enough people tell me that there needs to be more and it can't stop. So I see it as my duty to share this story. In the continuation of the series, Keone is going to battle her demons, and I truly hope that her healing journey will be enough to spark confidence in others and help us all live a better life. Thank you so much for listening today, Goddess. It is incredible sharing this with you. Thank you for letting me practice my speech. I'm very excited about going and speaking in person to people about this book. If you feel so inclined, please leave a review for this podcast. Tell your friends about it. Share this episode any and everywhere that you can. And if you feel like I did a good job here, then you can also subscribe to the podcast for as little as 99 cents a month 
which helps me produce better podcasts more often. Until next time, goddess, may peace, love, light, and happiness always be with you. And don't forget to check out the Goddess Crowd Facebook group link in the description of this episode. Hey, goddess. Thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of Ariane Writes and the Goddess Experience. I just wanted to take the moment to show my appreciation by inviting you to go to the first link in the description box of this podcast and join the forum where you can join in discussion about this episode and all the other episodes previous and to come with the other goddesses who listen to this podcast with you. Thank you again so much for being here. I cannot wait to see you in the forum.